the Cooper House is such a special ministry, and they are doing a great job of not only making the name of Jesus greater, but helping people find their way back to God. And so thank you, Genesis. Uh, because of your giving, we were able to give them and bless them with $50,000. That's and almost $150,000 worth of gifts this month that we've been able to give away, again, as a result of your generosity and God's faithfulness. So thank you for being a big part of this. And uh, it's fun to see uh, what the Lord's doing with it and where it's all going to lead. So let's pray. Let's pray for the Cooper House together. Father, thank you for the Cooper House team and for their work here in our community in some really difficult and broken places. And uh, thank you for how you're shining light through them. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for how you're bringing healing and wholeness to so many lives and so many families. And we pray that the gift that we have given, Lord, the gift that you've provided through our church family will just continue to bless and enhance all of the work that they're doing here around Hamilton County and even beyond. Thank you. And for these other gifts, Lord, we, it's a wonderful thing. You are the greatest model of generosity and giving your son. And uh, thank you for how you continue to lead us as we've been able to be a blessing to others. And thank you for this time today, Lord. It is so good to be here. And it's so good to be able to celebrate Jesus together today. We continue to lift up um, our country uh, to you, this world to you, as we are desperate for your healing, Lord. Uh, We know that today uh, we're surrounded by a lot of people who uh, know those that are sick and those that are hurting right now, Lord. And we are just praying for the power of Jesus Christ to be at work in people's lives and in our hospitals, Lord, and that you would just continue to bring hope and strength uh, and healing. And we pray for your protection over us today and in the days to come. And Father, I pray uh, for these words now that I'm going to share, the words that you're going to Uh, give to us today, Lord. I pray that you guide and direct all that we do. Father, we are in desperate need uh, of your hope, of uh, the reminders of Jesus Christ as our joy, as our source of joy. And so speak to our hearts now, Lord. You know every life, you know every heart here today, you know every fear. Uh, Father, I pray that we would encounter you today in a really special way and that our lives will, will not be the same. Uh, and so use this time in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You know, before uh, my wife Jenny and I, or because Jenny and I have, have never lived in the same community uh, as either of our families, uh, so many of our Christmas memories involve road trips. Uh, lots of road trips, and maybe none as memorable. We got a bunch of them, but maybe none as memorable as a one to central Illinois back in 2008. Uh, we had just arrived at Genesis, come on staff here, moved here from Louisville just a few months earlier. Uh, Joel was five, Luke was three, and Kate was six months old, and the weather was calling for freezing rain uh, on this particular day, but not until later on in the day. And so we left mid-morning, which we thought was going to be plenty of time to arrive at our destination. Wrong. We were about two hours into the trip, just crossed over the state line into Illinois, four-hour trip total on a normal day, when the freezing rain started. And things were okay at first, but then turned bad like really bad, really fast. And uh, Jenny took this video as I drove. We still had it, which is kind of funny. Uh, You can't hear it, but I can remember the sound of the crackling ice as we drove across I-72. And I'm white-knuckling the steering uh, wheel of the van as tightly as I can while the kids are hanging out in the back of the van 
and you can see some of this in this video, but there were like vehicles in the ditch everywhere and semis. And so we rolled along at 15 mile per hour as I thought I was for sure making one of the worst decisions in my young parenting uh, career that we were out on this road. But it's central Illinois. If you've ever been there, there's not a lot of places to go uh, if you got to get off the road. And so we just kind of kept rolling. And what was supposed to be a four-hour trip turned into an eight-hour journey uh, to central Illinois. The good news is we had some fun with it. All right, we jammed to some Christmas music along the way, a little karaoke. And because the freezing rain was accumulating so quickly on the windshield, like we had the heat full blast. Like it was a sauna in the van. The boys were complaining. They thought it was so much fun when we told them they could take their shirts off. I kept mine on just so that you know. But uh, they thought that was a lot of fun. And again, it was a wild ride. We saw a bunch of accidents, but thankfully... About an hour from my parents' house, the ice finally turned to rain, and we were able to cruise on into Grandma and Grandpa's and just in time for Christmas services, and we got a picture of that, too. There's the Moomaws way back in 2008, and boy, have times changed, you know? And uh, But that was a special memory, memories we've all got them. You've got memories, too, and memories... Well, they're a, they play a powerful role in our lives, you know. They, they impact the way we remember things and how we view our time on the earth. And Christmas is one of those times a year that you've got a bunch of memories on your own and uh, of your own and hopefully really good memories and fun stories to tell and pictures and videos to revisit. But we all know there are some painful memories that we wish we didn't have to revisit that weren't a part of our Christmas time, and you can't forget them. I talked with a young woman after our services last week. She was pretty emotional as she shared how difficult this year in particular has been for her because last year at this time, she lost a really close member of her family to a tragic accident. And so this year, it's just hard. It's different. You know, his absence uh, this year is going to make Christmas feel a lot different, more difficult than last year. I, I can't help but think about all of the people in Mayfield, Kentucky, and in that area that uh, endured a monstrous tornado a little over a week ago. Life will never be the same for them. December will always be a reminder uh, uh, of the night that their lives were forever changed. And once again, we know that COVID numbers are increasing and hospitals are full. People are really struggling. Frontline workers are absolutely exhausted. Like, why is it that this time of the year, a time that's supposed to be full of celebration and, and joy and fun, like, why is it that it can be so painful and so difficult for so many people? And we all wonder, and it, it doesn't matter what you think about God even or uh, your experience with church or what you think about Jesus or Christmas for that matter. Like, we all wonder, like, will the pain ever go away? Like, do we ever get to a place when, when the disappointment finally comes to an end for good? Now, Scripture explains that there will be a day all right, we know this as Christ followers, when all of the brokenness in our world will be fixed and the pain will be gone and everything will be healed and whole again, keywords being one day. And I'm not sure, again, how you see it, but we're living in a period of time that theologians sometimes refer to as the time between times that we live in this day, the, the time between times. Now, what's that? Well, it's kind of like my drive from central Indiana to central Illinois on Christmas Eve. Chatham, Illinois was the final destination, but the journey from when we left to when we arrived is where all of the action took place, all of the in-between. Some of that fun, but also a little frightening at times. And right now, 
for you and I that are living in the time between times, which as Christians is a reminder of what God initiated when he sent Jesus Christ into the world as a baby. And we've been singing about this all morning, but we believe that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose from the dead. And by doing so, he paid the penalty for sin once and for all. And his victory over sin and death established God's kingdom on earth, defeating the devil once and for all, our enemy. And now Jesus is with God in heaven. And so it began, this time between times, it began with God sending his son, and now we eagerly await the return of Jesus when he'll return again, not as a baby, but when he will come back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to reign forever, and that's awesome, and it's the reason why we sing a song like King of Kings and Joy to the World, but again, one small problem, because until Jesus returns Things like sin and death and fear and cancer and COVID are going to have their place in our world. Make no mistake, the evil one has been defeated. He has been crushed. But for now, he's still working terror and chaos into our lives. He'll do whatever he can to, to keep you and I distracted on from the things that really matter. He, he'll go to great lengths to get you questioning and doubting. And, and even though he can't undo or reverse the Jesus victory over death, One of his objectives in the the time between times is to rob us of our joy, all right? And and which brings up a great question. What exactly is joy, all right? We we talk about joy a lot. We throw the word joy around, especially at a time of the year like Christmas. What's joy? Well, Google defines it this way. Google defines joy as an emotion of great delight that is caused by something exceptionally good. So joy is happiness, right? Uh, not so much. I mean, not, it's, it's greater than that. Like happiness is a warm, freshly baked cookie from Crumble. Can I get an amen? I mean, right, you know, that, that's happiness. I mean, we all enjoy a good cookie from Crumble, but joy, like certainly joy is more than just our enjoyment for a really good cookie. I, I like what pastor and author John Mark Comer says about joy. He says, joy isn't something we feel, but something we choose. He explains that joy is a deliberate decision that we make. And as he points out, true joy comes to those who are able to rejoice in who God is and what he's done for us. Let me say that again, that true joy comes to those who are able to rejoice in who God is and what he has done for us. Now, as it turns out, true and lasting joy is at the heart of the Christmas story. All right, this is what Christmas is all about. And in his gospel account... Luke tells us that right after Mary had given birth to Jesus on that Christmas 2,000 years ago, an angel appeared to a group of shepherds that were out in their fields near Bethlehem. You'll recognize some of these words from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. The historian Luke records it this way. He says, And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What did the angel say? The angel said, I have good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Here's a fun fact. The word great there in the Greek means really mega. This is mega joy, not an imitation joy. This is the real thing. The angel says mega joy. Can we all agree that we live in a world right now that could really use some mega joy? 
all right, some real and lasting joy, again, with so much pain and fear and division and cynicism. And all of us want to know, want to know when does it get better? Like, when do things get better? Like, when do things go back to, to normal? Or, or where does the joy going to come from? As many of you know, we've been reading through the Bible together as a church family this year, all right? For those of you that have been following along with us, we're almost there. Like, we have like five days left. I think it's scheduled to wrap up on, on Christmas Eve. And for those of you that are caught up in your personal reading this past week, also included the New Testament book of Jude, which is an interesting book for a variety of different reasons. For starters, it's one of the shortest books in the New Testament. It's about 500 words long. It'll take you just a few minutes to read it. But Jude is known for being the brother of James, who is the author of the New Testament book named after him, the book of James. But here's the best part. James and Jude were both half-brothers to Jesus, all right? Sort of cool. And apparently, neither James nor Jude believed that their brother Jesus Christ was the Messiah until something significant happened, which always brings up a good question. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God, right? I mean, what, what's your brother got to do? Probably come back from the dead, right? I mean, you've got to do something pretty convincing, and Jesus did, and that convinced James and Jude and probably shed some white light on why Jesus has, was always his mom's favorite, too. Like, they finally were able to put those pieces together. But in this short letter, Jude was writing to followers of Jesus, people that had a lot in common with us, right? And we've... we've kind of said that over and over these last few weeks as we've been looking at some of these New Testament letters. Here's the context. Very similar. These were a group of people that were aware that Jesus had been born, had lived and died and rose from the dead, but many of them had never actually met Jesus in person. And these Christians that Jude's writing to, they were living in the time between times, eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus. Life was difficult. Joy was hard to come by as these Christians were repeatedly oppressed by Christian or by Roman leaders. Uh, even within their churches, there were disagreements over important matters which caused division and broken relationships with others they used to call their friends. There was plenty of economic chaos and challenges in the world. Add to it, people were confused by a civilization that had no moral compass. This is Jude's world 2,000 years ago. Doesn't sound much different, right? than what we're enduring and experiencing today. But here's the part you and I in America can't relate to. In Jude's day, it was commonplace for followers of Jesus to be forced from their homes, hunted down, and even killed. So Jude's got all that in mind as he's writing to them. And one of the things that makes his letter unique is not only his desire to encourage Christians to persevere, but to also be on guard against false teachers who question Jesus' identity and redeeming work on the cross. Let's look at a few of Jude's words uh, together. In Jude chapter, uh, or this, well, there's only one chapter, so this is Jude 3 and 4. Uh, Jude writes, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about uh, long ago have secretly slipped in among you. He says, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And so he begins by saying, hey, don't give up on your faith. 
Like, I know it's hard. I know life is challenging. I know you've got so many questions. I know you've got disappointments. I know that you have hardships that you're enduring, but don't give up on your faith. Be encouraged. Keep holding on to what is true. I love those words, contend for the faith. And in the process, Jude also issues a warning against a self-centered world living in this continuous rebellion of God. He calls them the ungodly. He's got some very strong words when he says those who pervert the grace of God, who deny Jesus as Lord. In verse 11, he kind of puts his foot down when he says to them, woe to them. You know, when he speaks of the ungodly to those who if you would do their own thing, those that are only looking out for themselves, those that are living in this constant rejection and rebellion of God, he says, woe to them, which is a stark reminder that God isn't blind to the things that are happening in this world. All right, And while he is a patient, gracious, and loving God, he is also a just God who will not leave sin unpunished. And even though we are living in the time between times now, there's going to be a day that he will return. And on that day, he will judge the wicked, eliminate sin once and for all, and he's going to make things whole and right again. And I know that I don't need to tell you that God as a righteous judge isn't a popular message in 2021, and it won't be next year either. And in general, none of us like to be told that our way of living is wrong, sinful, or offensive to God, especially when the popular message today is do what you want, do whatever makes you happy, look out for yourself, you get to decide what's right and wrong. That's happening today, 2,000 years ago, same story. Same thing for the people back then. But right about the time that you think that Jude is really going to continue laying into the people, he changes his tone. And look at what he says beginning in verse 17. He says, but dear friends, Remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there'll be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. And then this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, in praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. A big part of Jude's emphasis is to encourage these followers of Jesus, again, living in the time between times, to not give up, to not lose faith, to not allow the evil one or anyone for that matter to steal their joy. And we could say so many things. We could spend a lot of time studying through the book of Jude and all of the different messages here. But I love this one phrase in verse 21 because I think it matters for us today as well. And that is that Jude says, now keep yourselves in God's love as you wait. What's the right prescription? Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait. And what's this love that Jude is referring to? It's something that we call the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news is that God sent his son Jesus Christ to this world as a baby who lived and died and rose from the dead. And he did it for you and he did it for me and he's alive in heaven today. And the good news is that we can experience life and the good news is that we can experience joy through him. Like his love makes all of the difference. 
It makes all of the difference as we think about the future because as Christians who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, we know that no matter what happens in this world, we're going to spend eternity with God in heaven, and that's our future hope, and that's our ultimate source and reason for joy, but it's more than just a future hope. Like his love, it matters for today as well. It matters for your life today as well, as, especially as we keep living in the time between times and as we eagerly await the return of Jesus. And as good news as that is, unfortunately, I know that this is where a lot of us can get stuck, all right? Because if you're like me, and you know the story, and you've heard it enough times, and you know that Jesus has come, and that he will return again, and you know where our joy comes from, you can almost get a little used to it, I guess, if you would. And if we're honest, many of us would admit, you know, that maybe we're not feeling it right now. We're not feeling that joy because of life's circumstances, because of, of life's hardships. And it's true. I mean, when you go through difficult times and when you experience loss, like it's easy to, to lose that joy. It's easy to lose out, that lose that focus on our joy. And, but, I, but I think every one of us say, like, I, w- I want more of that joy in my life. I want, I want that joy present in me even when I go through the difficult times. Like, why not? And, and what does it take? Uh, I think Henry Nouwen's words are a good reminder. He once said this. He says, joy doesn't simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And I think that's a little of what Jude understood, that no matter what we face, no matter how hard life gets, he says, you got to keep reminding yourself. Right? You've got to keep coming back to the truth and the promise that our joy is only found in Jesus and choose to receive that joy every day. And so he says to keep yourselves in God's love. How, how do we experience joy in the, in the time between the times? Like, how, do we, how can we choose joy and keep choosing it every single day? Well, I wanted to end with this today. As I was just thinking about these words this past week of keeping yourselves in God's love and choosing this joy and choosing it each and every day, and especially with the the end of the year coming. I know that when we get to the end of the year and as we think about new starts, we're always thinking about new habits and new practices. For those of us that would say, you know what, I need to rekindle that joy in my life. Um, I need to go uh, searching for more joy. What does that look like? I think Jude would remind us maybe of a few things, and, and here's what I boiled them down to for us today. The first one would be this, to draw close to Jesus every single day. And you don't need to wait till January 1st. I mean, that's something that can begin in your life even today. John Mark Comer says, The main source of our joy is proximity to God, who is the most joyful being in the universe. Well, and then if that's true, the best way to experience joy is to carve out time every single day to be with Jesus, uh, to make it your practice, to make it your desire, to begin your day, to spend time each and every day with Jesus. And of course, you would expect me to say something like that, especially as a pastor, because that's my job. But I don't say it because I'm supposed to. I say it because this is what I've experienced in my own life. Like I've, I've been on both sides. I've watched my joy decrease when I neglect my time with God, and I've watched it increase the more and more time that I spend, the regular time that I spend with him. And so spending time with Jesus each and every day is the best way to experience his joy. And if it's been a while 
since you've spent time alone with the Lord or spent time with Jesus, I want you to know he's not mad at you. Right? He doesn't roll that way. But I also want you to know that he is ready and waiting. And there's an ongoing, constant invitation for every single one of us to come to draw close to Jesus, to spend time with him, to do life with him every day. C.S. Lewis said this about his joy. He said, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. He says, they are not a sort of prize which God could if he chose just hand out to anyone. They are a great foundation of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you're not, you will remain dry. I wonder how many of you today would say, I feel so dry in my life right now. And I wonder if it could be that you need to draw close to Jesus. You know, if you need to spend more time alone with the Lord, begin spending time with him. Jesus is our source of joy. And the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we'll know and experience that joy in our lives. Again, this is one of the reasons why we challenge everybody to read through the Bible with us this year. Not just so that you could say you've completed it, that you've read it from cover to cover, but the goal is to spend time with Jesus, to get to know Jesus more and more every day. And so we're going to do something a little different as we enter into 2022. Rather than invite you to read large portions of Scripture with us, we're going to dig into the book of John. And so we're going to spend all of 2022 just reading and studying through the book of John together, again with the goal to draw closer to Jesus so that we can know him and better experience his love and joy in greater ways in our lives. But here's another thing that you can do to work on increasing your joy. If this is a struggle for you, I would say to manage your input, to manage the, the input in your lives. Jude warned against the dangers of false teachers inside and outside of the church. Now let's think about this from our perspective in 2021. As we read through the news and scroll through things like social media all day, every day, what do we encounter? So often, it's endless feeds of untrue, wicked, impure, ugly, and disgusting information. I heard someone say that our 24-7 news cycle fuels an economic model that is built to profit off of your fear and my fear. Add to that the global pandemic and your own unique circumstances. Is there any question why there's so much fear and fighting, skepticism and cynicism today, why it's so blatant? And yet, how often do we turn to these feeds the very first thing in the morning and it's the last thing that we do at night and we do it consistently all day long? And why? What good is it? The evil one is using it to rob and steal your joy. I was outside a few weeks ago cleaning up, getting ready for the winter, all right, putting things away slowly, taking them to our shed. I was gathering up the garden hoses, and at this one exterior faucet, I noticed that I had a slow drip of water that I didn't realize. In fact, it had built up some ice around the outside and even down the side of the house. Now, thankfully, I found it because that could have been a bigger issue later in the winter or in the spring for sure. But here's what I had to do. I got down into our crawl space in this portion of the house. I had to find that pipe that extended to that exterior wall. When I finally found where the shutoff was, 
I backed off from it, and I was able to take that crank and just crank it down, all right, so that I cut off the water to it until I can get my faucet fixed. I know we live in a day and age now where we can't live without our phones, and so many of us are addicted to news and social media and constant information. You want to work on increasing your joy? Draw close to Jesus. But if necessary, if you can, cut off the constant flow of media and information in your life. I think we'll all be surprised how quickly we discover that it's been impacting our joy. It's been stealing and robbing our joy. And one more suggestion for how to increase your joy. I would just challenge you, if you haven't already, to get close to your church family. For some of you to take a step into greater involvement here at Genesis Church. Uh, maybe you've never in your mind officially made the decision, you know what, this is my home, this is my church family. There's something unique and powerful about a community of people, about a community of people that are surrounding themselves with Jesus. And Jude knew this. He knew that these fellow Christians were meeting together in homes and in their churches. And for many of them, it was a matter of survival and encouragement. We need to be encouragement to one another. Uh, you need to be an encourager for other people. Like, it's how we keep each other focused on following Jesus. And so as we get started into a new year, I want to encourage you to be praying, all right, about how you can take a step into greater involvement here in our church family to get in a group of people, you know, that you can do life with and be known and build relationships with. Find a place to serve and use your gifts. And it's wonderful to be able to use your gifts to build up our, our church family, but also you get to serve alongside of other people. It's a great way to build relationships with others. Get your kids involved in what's happening with Gen Kids or in our student ministry right now. Make attending worship, make it a, a habit in your life to be here each and every week with us and watch how God uses it and how he might increase your joy through it. Jesus Christ is our source of joy and our greatest joy is going to come as we draw close to him. But at the same time, do what you need to do to manage your input. Get close to your church family. Get around people who are also seeking to follow the Lord. These are good practices that keep our minds and hearts healthy and also help produce and protect our joy. I'll finish with this. Remember earlier when I mentioned the shepherds living in their fields near Bethlehem on that first Christmas about 2,000 years ago, the angel appeared to them again and said this. This was the message. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news for those shepherds on that first Christmas was that the long-awaited Savior had come and that he was nearby. And as we learned, that good news didn't just bring joy, but it caused mega joy, all right, at least according to the angel. And if you keep reading the story, you're going to find that their first response, the shepherds, was to go find the baby and to verify that what the angel said was true. And Luke writes this in verse 16. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they, what, spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I think it's safe to say that the shepherds shared their news of the Messiah's birth with such a level of excitement that it resulted in some pretty mega joy. And then verse 20, 
the shepherds returned to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Here's my point. We know how to get excited when our team finally wins, right? I think you know what I'm talking about if you watched any football last night. Imagine what could happen if we as followers of Jesus embraced and began to display, or to display the mega joy that we know and have through Jesus Christ. And not only how it would change your life, but how it has the potential to change other lives around you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our source of hope and our great source of joy. And Father, we pray that your joy today would fill our hearts and minds. And we don't say that in any way to minimize or overlook some of the pain that we might be experiencing, the frustration and the questions that we might be dealing with right now. But we pray these things because we need your joy, Lord. We need your hope. We need your presence. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom in our lives. And we want Jesus, and we want him more than anything, and we want to be changed by him. Thank you for making your joy available to us in Jesus Christ. And for those here today that have never received Christ as your Savior, choosing joy means choosing Jesus. Because again, He is our only hope. He is your only hope. And our only source of joy, lasting, real joy in this world. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want you to know that he is available to you, that he died for you, his love is for you. He sent Jesus for you. And he is waiting, he is waiting for you to trust him, to put your faith in him. If you've got questions for how to do that, we would love to talk with you today. We'd love to pray with you today. But God, we pray you would change our lives. We pray that you would be at the center and the hope of our church family. And that God, you would use us to be a source of joy, to be a source of mega joy for our community. Let people see Jesus in and through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks.